One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Bad Dad, Rad Dad, where we look for better dads one movie at a time. I'm Kylie. And I'm Elliot. And we're going to deep dive into some movies this week with our good buddy, Ashley. I'm Hello. back. I'm back. Third time. Third time. Second deep dive. Second deep dive. I, love, I have a really hard time talking about movies in any way other than what involves spoilers. So this, is a, this is a good medium for me. It's absolutely perfect. Elliot, why don't you talk about what we're going to talk about? <laughs> Yeah, we're going to be deep diving on the OG Star Wars trilogy. So episodes four, five, six. Our favorite place in the world in Edmonton, Metro Cinema, showed all three of them back to back on January 1st, 2023. And we endured the whole thing, which was nuts. We got there at like two o'clock. Well, we got there at like 1.30. Mm-hmm. Movie started at two and then we didn't get home until after 10. What the hell? It was super fun. It was a marathon. It was a marathon. It was an endurance exercise. Yeah. But it, it was it was really great. And we figured like this is a really great medium to just unpack all three at the same time. So we're not going to do movie by movie by movie. We're just going to encompass all three as, you know, kind of a singular story. But as a heads up, as always, we're going to be talking spoilers big time. And we're also maybe going to touch on some spoilers from the entire Star Wars saga. So that'll include the prequels, that'll include the sequel saga, as well as, you know, maybe dip into some of the Disney Plus shows. But we won't go heavy on those, but just a heads up, we might touch on those as they relate to the original trilogy. But with all of that housekeeping out of the way, I'm going to introduce each of the three films that we watched. So the first one was Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. It came out in 1977, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. I always think of that 70s show there's the episode where they go and see Star Wars because it just came out for the first time and they're all, it's just blowing their minds. And then at the end, mm-hmm. Red and Katie go see it and it blows their minds just as much. And the, I, I can only imagine what it must have been like to see this in the theater for the first time. I think that's exactly what happened <laughs> in real life. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um, so it's an action adventure fantasy, as are all three. 
But this first one was directed and written by George Lucas. And then our mainstay stars across all three of the films are Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia Organa, uh, Alec Guinness as Ben, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Kenny Baker as R2-D2, and Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca. We also have the infamous voice of James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. A synopsis for A New Hope is Luke Skywalker joins forces with a Jedi Knight, a cocky pilot, and a Wookiee, and two droids to save the the galaxy from the Empire's world-destroying battle station while also attempting to rescue Princess Leia from the mysterious Darth Vader. So that's New Hope. Then Episode 5, Star Wars Episode 5, is The Empire Strikes Back, which came out three years later in 1980. But this time it was directed by Irvin Kirshner, written by Lee Brackett, Lawrence Kasdan, and the story was by George Lucas. Then the additions to our characters in this one, notably, were Frank Oz as Yoda and uh, Jeremy Bullock as Boba Fett, uh, as, well, as well as, of course, Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian. And then the synopsis for Empire Strikes Back. After the Rebels are brutally overpowered by the Empire on the ice planet Hoth, uh, Luke Skywalker begins Jedi training with Yoda while his friends are pursued across the galaxy by Darth Vader and bounty hunter Boba Fett. And finally, Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, another three years, 1983, this time directed by Richard Marquand, and the screenplay was written by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas. And then the notable uh, characters that were added to this one were Ian McDermott as the Emperor and Sebastian Shaw as Anakin Skywalker. Synopsis is, after a daring mission to rescue Han Solo from Jabba the Hutt, the Rebels dispatch to Endor to destroy the second Death Star. Meanwhile, Luke struggles to keep Darth Vader back from the dark, or sorry, to help Darth Vader back from the dark side without falling into the Emperor's trap. I was kind of thinking of how nuts it must have been. Like, I feel like now they just kind of crank out Star Wars content all the time, but to have to wait three years in between. And at that time, I don't mm-hmm. think VHS is really a thing. So you're, you see it in the theater and then you're waiting three years for the story to continue and you have to mm-hmm. remember all of that mm-hmm. shit. I think the closest thing that we would have experienced in real time was the Harry Potter book releases, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Having to wait three years to see, but we could reread the books. That's true. And I, I often did like leading up to a new release, mm-hmm. I would reread everything but even like what, like waiting for the book releases, though. Yeah. Right? Like having to wait three years for like that next step in the story. Yeah, that's true. I guess we kind of do that with shows now. If there's mm-hmm. like with Stranger Things when we're kind of yeah. gearing yeah. up for a new <laughs> yeah. season, we'll, we'll rewatch all the Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> let's talk about our history with the films because yeah. I feel like we all, we each have unique relationships. I feel like everybody has a unique relationship with Star Wars. So... Ashley, let's start with you. What's mm-hmm. your history with, with Star Wars, the original trilogy? Yeah, so I hadn't seen anything Star Wars. Um, and I didn't really have any interest in science fiction. Like, it wasn't really kind of like my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my grade 10 English AP class, we studied all three films for Archetypes Unit. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't it, know that. It was awesome. And like at first, because um, I was like a 15-year-old and I was still a little bit of a jerk um, when my teacher was like, we're <laughs> studying Star Wars. I was like, ugh, boring <laughs> space. Um, and then we watched them. And I think it was probably one of the, my favorite like texts, texts that I yeah. can call it a text yep. that I studied um, in high school. And I was just really thankful for that introduction to it. And that my first introduction to it wasn't... Um, 
or rather that my first introduction to it was watching it kind of with a critical eye. Yeah. Which is like one of my favorite ways to watch movies now. Mm-hmm. So I think that I just like paid closer attention and read into them more mm-hmm. and was more like thoughtful about what was happening in um, the films. So yeah, I didn't see them until I was in grade 10. Um, and then kind of in subsequent years, I like got caught up with where everybody else probably would have been um, and watched, you know, the the prequels um, as the sequels came out, like went to see them all in theater. Like, like I would count myself as like a pretty big Star Wars fan now. Thank you to Mrs. Steblick in grade 10. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Kylie? I feel like you should go first because mine connects with yours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. For me, my parents had the VHS box set of the original trilogy. And I remember it being so cool because it came in like a sleeve that you would pull out and then it kind of had flaps that would unveil like even like more cool panels of artwork and stuff. Mm. And I thought it was so cool. So I started watching them. They showed it to me between the ages of three and five. Oh, that's and I, very young. And I watched them a lot. And I, yeah, I even remember growing up, my uncle, he really liked having like surround sound system and like big TV and was all about getting the new technology around that stuff. And he got the original trilogy on Laserdisc. And I remember thinking that was so cool. <laughs> <Laser> <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I, then I, I kind of continued to watch them a fair amount as I grew up. Like they weren't, I watched them for sure less and less as I got older, but it kind of instilled in me that excitement around Star Wars. So when the prequel started happening, like I think I saw Phantom mm-hmm. Menace an ungodly amount of times in mm-hmm. the theater. I feel like I saw it like 10 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I like, I, I remember going to attack of the clones by myself. And I think I went to <laughs> revenge of the Sith by myself as well. And then it was all. And then when the sequel trilogy came out, like again, I got so excited, mm-hmm. especially around force awakens. I was losing my mm-hmm. mind with excitement when that was coming out. So I, I think like, I can kind of discount how big of a Star Wars fan I am until there's a really good Star Wars thing or an exciting new Star Wars mm-hmm. thing coming out. When they when Metro announced they were doing the mm-hmm. original trilogy, I was kind of like, oh, that's neat. But then I thought about it more. I'm like, no, I really want to go the do that. The excitement is undeniable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of my history. Okay, Kylie, go ahead. Different direction. Yeah. So I grew up totally without Star Wars like you, mm-hmm. Ashley. And it, it just wasn't in my house for a very long time. And then somewhere along the way, my second oldest sister and my younger brother both got really into Star Wars. And there's always that thing of like when a sibling loves it, and especially these two siblings who love it together. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, then I hate it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and they particularly liked like the Stormtroopers and Darth Vader. Like uh, mm-hmm. my sister Britt was really into Darth Vader. My brother Jared was really into Boba Fett, mm-hmm. um, like really into Boba Fett. I've bought him much <laughs> Boba Fett artwork over the years, but I think he's now converted to Mando. Like okay. I think that's his fave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just like wasn't interested. I do know that we all like as a family went and saw Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much about it other than I did like Jar Jar Binks, but I was nine. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Who it's so for. you like, know, I, yeah, I didn't see like the the prequel trilogy when they came to theaters. Like, I didn't watch them probably until I was in like my late teens, maybe early twenties. Mm. Um, but just from like being on the playground, I had a, a understanding of oh, an was, awareness yeah. of Jar Jar Binks, and I loved him. Right, he was great. <laughs> yeah. And then I do think I saw I either Phantom Menace again or is the second one Attack of the Clones. That's right. At like a basketball wind up party or like mm-hmm. a like school trip. But mm-hmm. I pretty much just talked with my friends through it. Like mm-hmm. the people behind us in the theater. 
<laughs> uh, yes. And and yeah, so I just really wasn't that interested. And I kind of had a strange pride in like, I've never seen Star Wars. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm. You know, and yep. then leading up to Force Awakens, Elliot, you said to me, I'd really like you to come to Force Awakens and be able to like enjoy it or understand it because it means so much to me. And you asked if I would be willing to watch them. I had a really bad experience when I was a teenager with being forced to watch all three Lord of the Rings in a row. <laughs> so I think I was very clear that like, yes, I will do it. But to increase the chances of me not hating it, we need to be like smart and deliberate about it. And so we were. Mm -hmm. You, me, my brother and his at the time girlfriend, we watched all six of them. So four, five, six, one, two, three, once a week. Week to week. Yeah. Once a hmm. week. So one episode of. Or, yeah, one episode, um, <laughs> one movie a week leading up to Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we saw all of the new ones in the theater together. And as did well. we do it? Mm. I can't remember. Do we do it release order? Like, do we do four, five, six, one, two, three? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That was good of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good of us. So that was, yeah, that was my history with it. And I actually, I texted my sister this morning and said, How did you come across Star Wars? And she said she just discovered them when she was a teenager and then showed them to my brother. And I said, did dad like Star Wars? And she said, I think he was neutral about them at best mm -hmm. because he, she said, we didn't have them on VHS. So it wasn't like you. Right. And he never like got excited about showing them. So it was like something that Britt discovered on her own. And then Jared liked it too. And it was kind of their thing, um, which makes sense to me because my dad would have been 21 or like about to turn 21 when they came out. And maybe mm. he was just like a little old for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Or a little old to be like, excited about it i also don't think he was the biggest sci-fi fantasy guy mm -hmm. like he was more horror which mm -hmm. makes sense because yep. that's where i get that from mm -hmm. um so yeah that was that was interesting it just it wasn't in my house growing up and then my sister loved it so i didn't and and even now when they announced they were doing january 1st all three mm -hmm. and elliot you said i want to go i was like oh <laughs> oh my and then Ashley, I told you thinking you'd make fun of him with me. No. And you were like, I want to go to that. Yeah. And then we trapped you and made you come with yeah. us. This is true. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to have an open mind. Um, and before we start like actually talking about them, I think I want to, because even now there's nothing that really is special about them to me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like I don't get particularly, sorry okay. guys. I don't get particularly <laughs> excited about them. So I just want to know from you guys, like, what is it about Star Wars? What is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a couple things. I think, again, because my introduction to it was looking at it in, like, a more academic sense, I think. Like, I tend to, like, like I think if I would have seen this just, like, in the theaters, I would have thought that it was a little bit too, like, simplistic. Okay. A little too pew, pew, pew. Well, not pew, even pew, the pew, pew, pew of it. It's the... Um, like this was something that I was really paying attention to or like noticing, I guess, last night, mm. but just how like reductive and like not complex the dialogue is mm -hmm. and like the, the, the dynamics between people. I mean, like obviously Darth Vader being Luke's father, that's complicated, but the, the, the discussions that happen between them aren't like nuanced mm. and have like layers to them. It feels mm -hmm. very like surface level. Um, so I think that I was drawn to it kind of more looking at it as like a modern mythology. So kind of viewing it as like that level of like text or like lore for like mm -hmm. a contemporary society. Mm -hmm. No, that Maybe. totally makes That's sense. part of it. And then the other, and I know like this is the big reason why I love it, is um, as, especially as a young person, 
I mean, and still, as somebody who is a creative and has a vivid imagination, one of the most magical things in the world to me is being in an immersive world or mm-hmm. universe or environment other than my own mm-hmm. like that is one of the things that i take the greatest joy in. i think mm-hmm. that's like one of the most magical things that i that like a person can experience or that i can experience um and that's what now like as i get older and keep coming back to um like the original trilogy um or kind of like the offshoots um that's always what keeps me just like enthralled with the series and with the world mm. is how immersive it is. Yeah, no, I think that that's, I think that's accurate. And like, it's just kind of riff off of what you were saying. Like, I think you're right. The storytelling and the dialogue and the like interpersonal relationships that happen throughout the film, it's not complex, mm-hmm. but that makes it so accessible for mm-hmm. somebody who's three to five years old watching it right. mm-hmm. yeah. to just like pick it up and love it so mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just you understand very quickly what kind of people each of the characters are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, as a, I agree, like as I've gotten older, I appreciate when there's a little bit more subtlety and you kind of have to pick those apart a little mm-hmm, bit more. Mm-hmm. Like characters in anything, really. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I, I like exploring their nuances and what makes them them and peeling back those layers. But there is something really nice about something that's just kind of handed to you on a platter and you understand yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, like, I think also just the universe that was created by George Lucas Mm -hmm. and all the filmmakers of the original trilogy, everything, and we'll talk a bit more about this, well, I will, uh, everything (laughs) felt so tangible pre-CGI that it just, it felt real. And and there's like these creatures and these worlds that you've never seen before. And it's so fun. Mm -hmm. And sometimes gross but mm-hmm. and sometimes scary and 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 really interesting like they especially in the latter films like the more so the third one there's there's some solid like jump scares that that happen um <laughs> so like there's that there's a bit of that horror element mm-hmm. right um and i think that as a kid i just glommed on to all of that and mm-hmm. it's easy to love that and and the characters like when they celebrate, they all celebrate together. When they're in the shit, they're in the shit together. Mm-hmm. And you feel the stakes through the simplicity of these characters yeah, yeah. and how it's expressed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just the accessibility of mm-hmm. it. And I think, like, the the simplicity, like, the reason why, like you said, we glom onto it um, and it doesn't just kind of, like, pass by us as, like, something that is boring is because of how it's dressed up in this universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's where the complexity is, is looking at, like, this entire universe that the story creators have made yeah well and i think it's such a unique trilogy too because i feel like the first star wars could stand on its own forever because it's very much a hero's journey like beginning to end Mm -hmm. and if they made no more star wars movies that would be a great little Mm one-off and then with empire strikes back they because george lucas you know maybe wasn't at the helm as much like there's two other screenwriters on it and a new director. It's this really great middle of our heroes not getting like a nice buttoned ending by the end of it. And they're Mm -hmm. kind of left hanging in limbo of, Oh shit. Like everything really sucks right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we kind of get a little bit more of the traditional conflict resolution by the, by the end of the third one. Mm -hmm. 
But as a whole, like the arc is really interesting. And I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of the reason that it is so interesting is because of the work that Empire Strikes Back does mm-hmm. to get us to the end of Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. by raising the stakes higher than they were necessarily by the end of the first film. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what makes it such a great... Because I think you you said to me, Ashley, you rarely would watch just one of these movies. You typically watch all three of them. Yeah. Like in a row or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. Like when I'm like, oh, I watch Star Wars. It's not, I want to watch like A New Hope or I want to watch Empire Strikes Back. It's like, I'm going to sit down and watch all three movies. In a day? <laughs> um, Sometimes. Wow. So, like you've sometimes done this over before. two days. Like Perry and I will often, like when we have um like a chunk of time off together, like we'll tackle a big um franchise. Like we'll watch all of the Lord of the Rings movies and like maybe like one day we'll watch like half of one movie and then the next day we'll finish mm-hmm. it and then watch yeah. the next one and the third, you know, like that kind yeah. of thing. Um, but we'll kind of do like a little. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think I I think that if I were to watch Star like rewatch these again, it would be kind of set up with like, I want to rewatch Star Wars. So let's plan to watch like this one this day, this like and maybe split it up like we did before, like watch it week to week or something. Or I think when mm-hmm. we did Lord of the Rings, we just did one a day over three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it would be a plan Uh, like it would never just be I would want to just throw on Star Wars. I'd want to throw on Return of the Jedi or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so this is really interesting hearing both of you guys explain what it is about Star Wars because how you explain that makes so much sense about why it doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And I I will Mm -hmm. say right now I do like Star Wars now. Mm -hmm. I don't dislike it. Mm -hmm. I'm not ashamed that I've seen Mm -hmm. them all. (laughs) Um, And I appreciate them a lot. And we've been talking a lot lately, Elliot, about how like in watching so many movies mm-hmm. like we both watched the most movies we've ever watched last year i think i watched the most movies i've ever watched in a year <laughs> nice. because of you guys uh, <laughs> nice. and in talking about them right like we're talking about them so much that we both feel we've become even stronger movie watchers mm-hmm. and i do think i'm becoming more adept at appreciating films that maybe wouldn't be my go-to mm-hmm. and becoming a better visual mm-hmm analyzer visual watcher mm-hmm. but when particularly Ashley when you said the, like they don't have a lot of complexity in the emotion or the dialogue mm-hmm. that's just not what I'm drawn to like yeah. I am drawn to not to talk about after sun again <laughs> but something so hyper specific yeah that mm-hmm. either you connect with it or you don't right yeah, yeah and this yeah. is the opposite and then I I get that that's challenging because when I see people who like hated after sun it's because it didn't resonate with them yeah right mm-hmm. and and that's you're going to inevitably have a smaller slice of people who love your film when you have something so hyper-specific. Yeah. Whereas I totally understand what you guys are saying here. In its accessibility, you can put yourself into it and then shift your understanding and, and make that complexity on your own mm-hmm. uh-huh. because the starting point is accessible. Yeah. Whereas when it's something so hyper-specific like After Sun or even like The Eternal Daughter, which we watched recently... There's not a lot of room for you to add to it. Mm. Yeah. I think the other thing too, though, is like, I would say that we're all quite similar in that, like, we've done a lot of work to get in touch with, like, the things that we feel and why we feel them and, Mm -hmm. like, how our kind of histories have impacted that. Um, And we've gotten to a point where we enjoy having that kind of reflected back to us in film. Yeah. Like, having an experience um, captured and shown back to us and being, like, feeling, like, seen in that way. Yeah. And having that I, be a talking point. Right. I think the majority of people, like not to be like, we're special. But I'm just saying that that is a lot. That's, that's hard work. And there's a lot of things that maybe people aren't ready to like kind of work through or whatever. Maybe it's just kind of like not their time. Um, but I think a lot of people just like to watch a cool movie 
just to watch a cool movie yeah. and escape into a different story. And that is um, totally and sometimes fair. Facing something like After Sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I don't like. Know. I'm glad that I had three years of therapy leading up to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like therapy scheduled to follow it up because that was yeah gunning. Well, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the show, but my mom before she had children and before she was like working a really intense full time job that was more than forty hours a week, um, was a prolific reader. Mm-hmm. But when I knew her, because I was the third child and she was working really hard and my parents were splitting up and everything, was yeah. she read a lot of just like mass market romance books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of years before I learned the lesson that like you cannot force somebody to read, watch, listen to something at a particular time and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and have them love it. Yeah. You need to let them know what it is. And then hopefully one day they come to it on their own. But if you make them listen to that song right now, they're probably not going to appreciate it. Well, it's like it's force feeding somebody exactly. something. That's mm-hmm. awful. <laughs> there was a couple of years where I like tried to get my mom to read like Douglas Copeland or like Chuck uh, Palahniuk. And she would be like, no. And I remember asking her once when I was like maybe 16 or 17, like, well, why do you read these crappy books? And she was like, Kylie, I used to read those kinds of books, but my life is really hard. And all I want to do at the end of the day is read something easy. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a matter of bandwidth. Yeah. Like, do, do you have the bandwidth to read? And yeah. since she's retired, mm-hmm. she's reading she's like cool The again. Break by Catherine <laughs> Vermette. And like, yeah. and mm-hmm. she reads some That's of these awesome. things and was like, I don't like it. But it's so, yeah. it's so interesting. So no, like mm-hmm. when you're three years old, you're obviously not going to have the ability to appreciate Aftersun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or when you're just going through a freaking tough time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I believe it was the third time we saw Aftersun, you were like, I'm not going to see it this time. Yeah. And you were yeah. like, I know. Now is not the of, time for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And instead, I um, stayed home and I ate pretzels in bed and watched Love is Blind. Because that's what I had bandwidth well, exactly, for. exactly, right? Yeah, and yeah. like, I know I've told this story, but the night my dad died, I wanted to watch Mean Girls. Per- yeah, That exactly. was not an after sun night. Not that it existed then, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? So, Star Wars is obviously offering something different, but I do get... I do think that there's a part of me that has always been more drawn to seeing my specific experience mm-hmm. as opposed to a broad one and i yeah. don't know that i would have loved it as a kid mm-hmm. the second reason being i'm not into world building mm. like not okay. at all yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. and i would say like because kylie like you and i like i we're similar in that we're really drawn to like story and yeah. narrative and emotion and emotion and, yeah. and like what's the experience of it and i would say that's one of the only drawbacks like, I, I won't say that star wars is my favorite franchise ever it's just like something that I'm like, yeah, I love that. It's awesome. Yeah. But it's like what what kind of keeps me in it is the world building. Yeah. So when there's not that tie for you. Exactly. Because that's the thing, right? I think that's I've come to realize this. We watched and talked about Blade Runner recently. And it's sci-fi and fantasy are so much about world building. And these people who love these things and I struggle to understand what they love about them. I think it's because they love world building. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to ask you, like, what differenti- differentiates the world building that happens in Star Wars as opposed to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? That it, Marvel works for you more than Star Wars oh, does. Oh, goodness, that's a different Yeah, question. real me that, Kylie. <laughs> well, I think, so first of all, I'll say the Marvel movies I like the most are set on Earth. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like, I like Captain America. I like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I like the X-Men. Um, I'm not super into Thor mm-hmm. or... Um, Guardians? Don't love Guardians. I think they're mm-hmm. fun because mm-hmm. I like I like the music and the snappiness yeah. and that kind of stuff, but they're not my favorite at all. Mm-hmm. So, I don't... I do like, and this is what I like about horror, real world 
and then other things coming into the real world or the real world being mm. different than what you thought it was. Mm -hmm. Mm. But whole new worlds like Game of Thrones or, mm. you know, I've never seen Avatar. There's nothing to like to tether yourself to. Like there's yeah. no anchor for you in a world. That and I get know. lost in it. Like I don't yeah. find yep. it like even Wizard of Oz, which I love and I've loved since I was a little kid. It starts in the real world mm -hmm. mm. and it ends up back in the mm. real world. Mm -hmm. And it's about or Alice in Wonderland, which I've loved since I was a kid. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the absurdity of how being unmoored from the real world. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. not this whole new place. Right. And it's what's the like, that's how I feel when I watch a Star Wars or a Lord of the Rings or a Game of Thrones. I feel like Dorothy or Alice being like, what is this place? Yeah. I don't understand. Who are these people? Yeah. yeah. And I'm 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 more frightened and lost. That That's a, mm -hmm. a hyperbole, obviously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> than I am excited and enamored and drawn in. Like that's, enchanted. Yeah. yeah. You, you're not enchanted by it. No, I'm more just like, I'm so confused. Disoriented. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. why like Harry Potter works for you, too. Cause it, yes, because it, it's the real world up with real, magic. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. That is really interesting. That's cool. Because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I said, that was a big draw draw for me when I was younger. Is I liked that we're going to all mm -hmm. these different planets from movie to movie and we're seeing all these different landscapes and stuff like that. The magic is lost for me a little bit once we get into the prequels where everything is just CGI. And it's just, <laughs> oh, completely. It, it's just too Even much. Even the, the bits last night... Um, I don't know if I've never seen the remastered versions or if I've just never noticed it. Um, but the parts that were remastered with CGI mm -hmm. in the movies last night. Big pee pee poo poo. Oh, like I could feel myself just like zoning out. Like, they don't mm -hmm. add anything. No, not, no they take away. They take yeah. away. Yeah. And then there were even times where like I think there was one scene where he's on the Tauntaun where it like it's um like the it's like a shot with like the the like is it like a puppet the the, the the like actual like physical thing the yeah. tauntaun that they've like crafted um and then a different shot and it's obviously been remastered to cgi and i kind of felt myself like do the zone now like mm. yeah and then it switched back to the shot with like the with like the physical thing and i was like mm -hmm. and i'm back <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i think that the world building piece is it's interesting just that from person to person, just how it can mm -hmm. resonate and it can totally change the, yeah, the experience of yeah. the whole thing. And I think that's kind of cool that you've kind of discovered that it has to be rooted in reality or earth or whatever it may be within the universe yeah. to have it just kind of hit that switch for you. Or it has to have that emotional core. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So like Ash, like you were talking about, the Star Wars is maybe missing that emotional complexity that you're drawn mm -hmm. to, but you love the world building. Yeah. Whereas I don't love the world building and I yeah, I, so I don't strikes. particularly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I could be. And I'm sure if I thought hard enough about it, there's a show or a movie or a book that I like that is more world building based, but also has a very clear, complex emotional center. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I when after we watched these three and I was sitting on Letterboxd to log all of them and like pondering what I'm going to rate these things. Like at the end of the day, I gave all three of them four and a half out of five because mm -hmm. at now as an adult watching them, the, that point five is the emotional piece. Yeah, mm -hmm. Like that is what, and Kylie and I have talked about this multiple times of just the, what gets a five is just like that ability to tap into a deeper emotional, mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. that can, that just resonates with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For us, the five is fundamentally subjective. Whereas mm -hmm. the 4.5 yeah. is a little bit more mm -hmm. objectively, it's a 4.5 out of 5. Right. Like the merit of the film. Yeah. Yeah. That's why on rewatch of Banshees of Inishirin, we bumped from a 4.5 to a 5. Mm. We were like on mm -hmm. the second rewatch, there's just an emotional resonance to it for us yeah. that yeah. wasn't there the first time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Should we talk about what we noticed? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. I I probably have like an easy segue from like the world building thing. Beauty. Um, more specifically inside of the world building, like because I am somebody who I'm crafty. I like to make things. <laughs> um last night, like like watching them again. Um, I think especially in the first movie, because I feel like they were even like the ingenuity was even higher mm-hmm. in that first film. Um, <clears throat> because they probably had a lower budget, I'm assuming, until people were like sold on it. Anyways, um, but it was like every single setting they were in, every single being that came onto state, like onto the screen, every costume. Like I was looking at every detail, being like what is that? How did they do that? And then like, there's one guy who comes like in one of the scenes. Um, I think he's literally like part of the costume that he's wearing is um, like one of those like big plastic um, brown industrial garbage cans with like a swinging lid. Like <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah, base yeah. of the costume mm-hmm. and just like the ingenuity of it. And like looking at, um, yeah, just like all the, all the details of how they are building this world as artists because Mm -hmm. that's often like the the lens through which i'm looking at that stuff Mm -hmm. um is the like how did they do it of it all and wanting to kind of like take that apart and think about how i would have done it or how how smart or how clever because i know that they like certain aspects were because i know they threw in like a lot of stop motion and miniatures and stuff Mm -hmm. but the scene that actually and seeing it like this isn't my first time watching these three on uh on the big screen okay is like a moment that stuck out for me again from a new hope from a new hope was the like the Jawa mobile that they're all in. Exactly. There's a scene where it's like driving yeah. past, but the camera has to look up at it mm-hmm. and it just it just creates a sense of scale that yep. it's just like I yep. I don't they didn't make this thing that is like probably like fifty plus stories mm-hmm. tall, but they used camera angles and trickery to oh. make it look massive and love it. That that's where you have to start kind of del- delving into the props that to give that first movie because not yeah. only do you have to build the world but you have to introduce everybody to these characters who yeah. they are and yeah. then what everybody looks like and give names to all of these all this weird shit. I yeah. do think not having seen them when I was a kid, it's so hard to know how I would have responded. Mm-hmm. But I think if anything would have got me, it would have been the puppetry. Yep, mm-hmm. like I would have been even this time. It starts with C-3PO and R2-D2. Mm-hmm. And I fucking love them. So good. <laughs> like, if, if there's anything that keeps me in it, it's, like, those two. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that, like, the magic of how real that feels because yeah. it's puppetry or because yeah. it's not CGI. Well, and even R2-D2. Like, in 1977, guaranteed they had, well, I mean, and they probably actually did have some kind of, like, technology inside of that to make it go front and back. Is but they still put a person inside of it. There's yes. a person in it? There's yeah. a person in it. I forget his name. It's V... v-, v- uh, what was his name? I have it. I have it. One second. Is he moving stuff around inside? Kenny Baker. Just kidding. Not a V. Kenny Baker. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so like when R2-D2, like when like little things come out of his little holes to do stuff, like Kenny Baker's inside with like... <laughs> That's amazing. Stuff. Well, yeah. And it just brings a level of personality to it that... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah, diff- personality is a good word. But uh, and I I feel like they achieve that with BB-8 in Force Awakens mm-hmm. to a degree. Too. I love BB-8. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about these robots, guys. Mm-hmm. I love BB-8. I love R2D2. I love C3PO, and I love Baby Yoda. Yeah, and real Yoda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think they anthropomorphize things really well. Like mm-hmm. they whatever like that secret ingredient is to making something. Yeah. Hit. When they have to sell toys, they know how to do it. <laughs> oh, right. Do they ever? And I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Like, is no. it, are they called porgs? 
porks. Oh, pokes, they're so porks, cute. Porks. They're so cute. They were like I somebody said like when I first saw that movie, I forget who said it. They were like, oh, they those were a thousand percent just in there so they could sell the plush. And I was like, yep, I'm not mad I'm about that either. <laughs> yep, I endorse it. But like think about how like C3PO and R2D2 have been in every Star Wars movie. So mm-hmm. the, every time they release a new movie, there's new C3PO and R2D2 toys that they can throw mm-hmm. out there. Because mm-hmm. people love them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and this kind of reminds me of um, your when you were talking about The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Like how much like one of the reasons why you love stop motion is because when you have the the like the thing, like whether it's the Christmas ornament or the toy or the plush or whatever, and you're holding it in your hand, it looks like what it was on screen. Yeah. yeah. Because what it is on screen is something that is also handmade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Magical. It's magical. It is magic. Yeah. And I think there's something so lost about that mm-hmm. in CGI. And mm-hmm. there's nothing more capable of making you realize that than watching these remastered movies and being, like you said, Ash, totally just like pulled out of it. Mm-hmm. Like you can be even me, who's not that great at action-based, visual-based, world-building-based stuff, was pretty, like, engaged in the world of the films yesterday. And then all of a sudden you have this stupid kissy lip frog singer. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like, okay, right, this is all fake. But I thought you wanted to be her. I want to marry her. Oh, <laughs> right, right, right. right I want to kiss those frog right. <laughs> <laughs> I do. But, like... Uh, still yeah did pull me out of it 100 mm-hmm. percent. then i started thinking about how like what would it be like to kiss those froggy lips and and lost the movie right <laughs> if that it makes wasn't sense. the cgi it was the like how sexy is this thing <laughs> yeah 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 and that happened to everyone everywhere when leia came oh my goodness on screen in the gold the bikini outfit. yeah the outfit the outfit she's so beautiful we'll talk about that later oh, yeah i have a lot to say about her yeah Okay, what did, Elliot, you, what did you notice? Oh, what did I notice? Okay, I don't know if I'm going to steal this from somebody, but my favorite thing about this, these movies is the score. Oh, it's amazing. Like, yeah. I don't know. Actually, I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Because you had an actually, <laughs> and I have a more permanent statement. Okay. So when Elliot was doing the intro and you were talking about the genre of the film, when I was looking at stuff last night, they, one of the classifications I saw was a space opera. A hundred percent. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And that was another, like, um, one of the comments I saw was, like, the reason why this is, like, this movie transcends time. Or, no, they compared it to Bach. Like, Bach yeah. was, like, always has been, like, one of the best-known musicians, composers in the world. And to get, like, the longevity of, like, that yeah. type of music and, and viewing it. Rather than, like, cheesy, like, 80s synth sounds, which it's- might have seemed, like, you know, if you were in that team, like, thinking about, what's our score going to be? Yeah. It's like, oh, we're in space. Like, 80s synth Mm -hmm. but instead they did this like operatic there's something so incredible about it and i don't know if either of you i know you guys both are able to like glue your eyes to the screen and like lose everything around you we actually don't blink when we watch movies i know know you guys basically turn into like yeah just we're we're actually like frogs where we have that second eyelid (laughs) that keeps our eye moist but it doesn't look like we're blinking so you probably didn't notice but every single time at the start of the movie i was like 
Oh, no, I did. I loved it. <laughs> and during the Imperial Marches, too, I'd be like, doom, yeah, doom, yeah. Doom. like that was getting me. The score gets me. And I have to say my favorite freaking part is like when they're like, do, 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 do. That's the beginning one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it gets into the like, like right before, like when it starts, it gets all like ominous. And, and then like, it pans down. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Love, like, I love it. And there's something, even though I have no nostalgia for these movies because I didn't watch them when I was a kid, I have been hearing that music my whole life. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. There's something about when that music goes at the beginning and Star Wars goes up on the screen and the scrolling happens that just your heart can't help it. Well, I ima- can't help but I'm swell. imagining it right now and I have goosebumps, goosebumps right? Well, it's because yeah. any time that I've seen a Star Wars movie in the theater, every time that the Star Wars title card comes yeah. up, the whole theater cheers. And yeah. I've never seen it in a theater before. And oh, really? Oh, like that moment, like in the, the first film, like when that happened last night or yesterday, um, when everybody started cheering, I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> and then, yeah, that was like my, like my, that was like such a nice way to start each of the films was like slightly different audience, but same reaction that everybody just like. Well, I think it's, it's exactly what you're describing. Like every time, like we're all so excited that that's just the release. Cause, and it's, yeah. it's this, this really weird electric energy. Cause, and I think it's built up from the Fox logo all the way through the, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, mm-hmm. away card that happens and then yeah the, just the instant crescendo like the coming hit. in yeah. Yeah. yeah then also how it then like dwindles down to that slightly ominous feeling like it kind of mm-hmm. brings us down with it and prepares us for the start of like there's a story and it's not going to be easy and mm-hmm. like you know it, it something's amiss it's yeah. so yeah. it's so perfect and it's not that frustrating oh i'm in a horror i'm watching a horror movie and it's telling me exactly how to feel it's like this is just helping guide my emotions Mm -hmm. well and like the crawl happens and all the crawls end with an ellipsis and Mm -hmm. you're just like okay like it tells you what's kind of going on Mm -hmm. and you're like okay but here we go Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's really exciting and ellie you and i saw john williams symphony Mm -hmm. um and all of his music does this like harry potter does it jaws Mm -hmm. does it Home Alone does it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the greats. Like, honestly, he can, there's a very specific John Williams sound. Like, you can kind of pick out when you were hearing John Williams compositions, mm-hmm. but he just knows how to tailor his magic to whatever he's working on. And it makes your heart feel something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just was like so, so in love with the music this time in particular. And I mean, getting to hear it like on mm-hmm. theater speakers theater speakers is just so impressive and 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 not only that but the way that the music cues us to like like i'm not the exterior shots don't do it for me Mm -hmm. it's the music that tells me oh we're getting into like darth vader Mm -hmm. or like oh we're no our heroes are in trouble Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. or we're on we're on yoda's planet whatever that's Mm -hmm. called um does it have a name dagobah yeah i love that you guys know that um yeah the music is so good so that's what i really noticed this time well and something this is the first time in a long ass time that I've watched them back to back. So I didn't realize, and we were talking about this in between films that the Imperial March doesn't come in until Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back. Like yep. it doesn't even yeah. exist in Star Wars, but that's such an iconic piece of music. And to have to come in once the series is already established and be s- s- just as iconic as the Star Wars theme is awesome. Well, and it's got to be a piece of music that even if you haven't seen the movie, people know it. Like if you do the dun 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 dun, dun mm-hmm. like somebody's gonna who's never seen the movie could start humming it along with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's 
I don't know. It's really, really, really impressive. And I love it so much. Did you notice how like the the Imperial March is what's playing when Darth Vader dies, but it's like a softened yeah, version Yeah, I of did. It? That really got me. It did. I agree. And I, I, I had never... I had never noticed it before. This is my second time ever seeing it. Mm-hmm. But I found it to be really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Me too. And sad. Yeah. So I got more emotionally out of the music, I think. Mm-hmm. Like that was bringing yeah. my emotions along. Yeah. More so than the dialogue or the characters or the plot. Yeah. Um, It was helping to bring that complexity out for me through the music. Completely. Really, yeah. Really loved that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you notice? Something, something for me, and I'll get into kind of a bit of a discovery that I found as I was just thinking about it in our, in our next section, but something for me was just the character of Luke and, you know, his evolution from little piss boy to Mac daddy Jedi. (laughs) He's just like his whole story. He has to take on a lot, which includes a lot of family trauma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the brief flirtation with incest and, (laughs) and then ultimately becoming the last Jedi, the last of, uh, his kind i guess you could mm-hmm. say um but like despite all of that the care and the love that he has for the people that are imp- important is like like not even immediately in his life but just the people that he stand he wants to stand up for and and mm-hmm. and care for like and just to see how much that drives him despite the other things that i mentioned mm-hmm. is just it's really it's really impressive and i can't even imagine having all of that on your shoulders mm-hmm like the kind of the fate of the galaxy mm-hmm. essentially. And then to also carry on this tradition, uh, this line of Jedi that is also all in your hands. It, I feel like it's kind of downplayed, but when you kind of dig into it a little bit more, it's like, Jesus Christ, like that's a, that's heavy. Mm-hmm. This was also something I noticed um, because I had only ever seen the original movies and even really the prequels once prior to seeing the new movies and then we didn't rewatch them in between seven eight and nine i was noticing a lot of references that the new movies make to the original trilogy so for example Mm -hmm. yoda's last words to luke are rise aren't they Mm -hmm. or is it darth vader's last words to him or like you will rise somebody says you will rise and the last film's called rise of skywalker Mm -hmm. and then like you know obi-wan kenobi just like blitzing into thin air so many of us said it was cheesy when luke does it in the last film but that's what obi-wan kenobi did and that's what yoda does like yeah so i'm like oh i I didn't realize that when i watched mm -hmm. those films having not as much of a familiarity with four Mm -hmm. five and six Mm -hmm. um and i was like oh i'm seeing these little nods i didn't or like even like the last jedi i didn't realize that that was a phrase from the original films Mm -hmm. that's something that that's another thing that really like hooks me in with the whole franchise as well is those little um like the, those little like rewards that you get if you've like if you've mm-hmm. watched it and you know it you get those little easter eggs and those nods like oh that feels like such a mm-hmm. such a little gift to you um such a little like cookie yeah. in the middle <laughs> in the middle of the film and i think i think definitely with each of the 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 movies from the sequel trilogy um and then even throughout um like mandalorian and um yeah there are those nods and it's just so rewarding and mm-hmm. it just like yeah really keeps you hooked in the franchise and it's it's, it's the payoff for sticking with it through mm-hmm. so many different um yeah so many different like forms yeah no i and yeah i think it's i think it's great and i mean in terms of just like some other things about the characters like 
Leia, like I think just how badass she was really stuck out stuck out oh for me watching this. Goodness. And just also just like how much she falls in with her people as opposed to being above them. Like she is for all intents and purposes mm-hmm. like royalty that rules over people. But the yeah. fact that she's in the shit and she's like helping give orders and keep yeah. things organized yeah. and won't, you know, when they're evacuating Hoth. Last person on the, the last, ship yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that was something that, I mean, I've always loved her because like how can you not but that's like one of the first like words that kind of popped into my head watching her in the first like in episode four starting with and then i kind of like kept watching and i was like yep like through and through um is integrity mm, yeah like she has this deep belief in this like in this mission and this like prevailing of like good over, over evil mm-hmm. and she never strays from it like nothing wavers her from her path and i think especially for the time that these movies were made, that's so notable for a woman in a movie to be like the most rock solid character. Yeah, she's not damsel-y. Not at all. No. Not at all. She finds herself in trouble, but like she's, everything seems calculated even Mm -hmm. when she's kidnapped or anything. There's so many times where she wrestles a weapon out of somebody else's hand because she can do it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. is saving her. She's yeah. saving herself. Yeah. And sometimes she needs some help because we yeah. all do. Yeah, mm-hmm. completely. And like her, like her emotions are even keel. Like she is like handling shit and like taking care of business. Like often, like it's, it's yeah, Luke being the whiny BB yeah. piss boy, I think you called him. Yeah. <laughs> and then Han is just being a ugh, turd, um, a lovable turd. But yeah. Yeah, that's something that really struck me is how much that role must have done in that time. Yeah. And then also how much it's like the ripple of it has impacted um, like women in film, women in sci-fi. Yeah, I think if I had seen it when I was a kid, she'd actually be a really important role model. Completely. Right. And I so much of what I knew about Star Wars before watching it in my 20s was just like, you know, Ross and friends wants Rachel to dress up as Princess Leia in the gold bikini. Right. I think I assumed she wasn't as cool as she is based mm-hmm. on like, you know, what I heard in just the pop culture yeah. zeitgeist, right? Yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, completely. And if if you want to talk about like, obviously, like everybody loves the, the bikini scene, but like the context of it. Is really That's awful. Dark. Yeah, it's really dark. That is dark. Well, and like even the way that Carrie Fisher wears that, like just in her in her face, oh, yeah, she's just defiance. like, for fuck's sakes, like defiance, this is like, yeah. she's just like, I'll, I'm gonna play it cool, but then like she fucking chokes out this giant monster with her own chain. with her own chains. Yeah. Which, which oh, is that so badass. It's incredible. And then she's like hops on like the like gunboat and it starts like whips this gun around is like taking out mm-hmm. a bunch of bad guys she's mm-hmm. amazing the bikini is just like not even a thought like it, her thought is to not be sexy and, and to do this no. stuff mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and and as soon as so you know actually i'm assuming we all have a crush on her yeah. obviously clearly where i find her to be the most attractive to me is um when they're in lando's sky place and she's we're in like She's got this little like vesty flowy thing over yeah. top of her like high collar outfit, and, and she's just beautiful. I, she's I, totally covered up. She's just absolutely. Be- and her yeah. hair. Them I don't braids. know why it always gets like the buns or whatever. Everybody focuses on because she doesn't have that hairstyle the whole way through, no, and her braids yeah. are way cooler. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like the i I like the like her hoth fatigues, like where it's like I think she's like has like a white outfit, has like a vest, and then she's yeah. kind of like braid like just over the top of her head. Yeah. 
she also okay the thing i find the most attractive like like just the like oh that that gets me mm-hmm. is her little wispies down from her ears mm-hmm. her little bit of hair there and also she's got a great smile i was about to say her teeth yeah her teeth <laughs> <laughs> So her teeth do to me what Harrison Ford's chin scar does for me. Right. Yeah, Harrison yeah. Ford has a chin scar? Yeah. yeah, and it is so sexy. <laughs> huh? Okay, I have to Google this. Yeah. Carrie Fisher's teeth, Harrison Ford's chin scar. I Both will say, like, I've always, like, objectively recognized Harrison Ford as a handsome person. Mm-hmm. But, like, Harrison Ford in episode four was, like, getting me giddy. He was doing something <laughs> for you? He was doing something for you. He's so cute. He is a very attractive. He's just man. a real chill daddy in that one too. Like when he's he sit- kind of mean. At when least he sit- when he's a little bit mean. <laughs> <laughs> but like he knows what he's doing. Like in when we first see oh, he him, does have a chin scar. I see it. When we first meet him at like the cantina, and he sits down with Greedo, and he's like sitting there, and he's just like oh, picking at the pl- ball, like playing with the yeah. wall, diddling with his gun. <laughs> <laughs> diddling. <laughs> okay, if we're if we're just on the like sexy train right now, Luke in. Uh, Return of the Jedi in his black outfit. Oh yeah, that's good. He doesn't do anything for me until then. And but like he doesn't do anything I, for you. Ever. He, no, and that's okay. You're allowed. He's allowed to do something but for you. I, I but agree. Ever, with, no, I agree with you. He gives long boy energy, and I think he's a short boy. There was yes, I, we've talked a lot about this. There's a the magician's body, regardless of your height, is a surefire way for me to have a crush on you. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of crushes. You both know this. I want to kiss everyone. Um, <laughs> Even Frog Lady, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, there's a scene, and I don't know which movie it's from. I think it might be Empire Strikes Back, where like Luke's become like a little like fighter guy, and he's just like that's just who he is. And he's in his little like orange oh, his fighter outfit, suit, and he looks like I such can, a long boy. I could get behind mm. that. And I was like, his body type, yes, mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. But but it's very emphasized in his very cool. What did our friend Jake say? Because I was like, who has a green lightsaber? And he was like, well, Luke has it once he's like, cool, cool guy, badass, black outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And the black outfit to me, it's like fedora energy. Ouch. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. But I can get behind fedora the fighter. Energy. Is it because he has the black glove too? That probably doesn't help. Oh my God. And his attitude. But I like the green lightsaber too, because lightsabers are cool. We cannot Harry, deny. Yep. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, and I think the green is my favorite. The blue's pretty. Blue, yeah, blue's cool. Green is pretty cool though, because I mean it's very iconic. Well, and the fact that he like made it himself, and he's like, "I want green one." <laughs> <laughs> you guys are really shitting on my Luke Skywalker brush here. <laughs> no, I get it. I agree with you. I especially like Return of the Jedi is kind of like peak handsome luke and then i i really like at by the end of return of the jedi after he's fought and he's now like burning his dad on the pyre or whatever and he's unbuttoned like his first one and it like folds over and has like a little gray piece peeking through i'm like damn that's nice so i think we can acknowledge and i'm just gonna say it whether you guys agree or not han solo peak attractiveness episode four Mm -hmm. luke skywalker peak attractiveness episode six leia all the way through She's timeless. Honestly, timeless. like the the image that I always have in my head when I think of Princess Leia is from the sequel trilogy when she's like the general and she looks like yeah. like mm. somebody's grandma who's going hiking. Yeah. But she's oh. just so cool. Her and outfits are so cool. Has such a command about her and such a dignity about her. There is oh. no one who plays a central role in these movies who I do not have a crush on. Like Finn, Ray, Kylo crushes on all of them. Ooh. 
Yes. We want to talk about them. Like <laughs> Kylo, is it? Or all of them. All of them. But and like, like Lando, crush on him. Yeah. Especially in Empire Strikes, Strikes Back, like his outfit. But once he loses the cape, especially. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. and then, give me Donald Glover as Lando. I've never seen that movie, but mm-hmm. Lando's his, his yeah. horn helmet, where he has like all those like curly horns all over his face. You like that? And then he it's like pe- peeks it's out over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, it's, it's the little moments. Yeah, this movie has stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the things it's something else that like really worked for me this time, and like it works every time, but um, just the Han Chewie dynamic. Oh. Over the course of the three films, like I, I, my favorite moment, I think, of the two of them across all of them is after Han Solo's just gotten out of carbonite and he gets thrown into like the little jail oh. with Chewie. And then Chewie just like grabs Han Solo can't see, mm-hmm. but he just, <laughs> Chewie just grabs him, starts like rubbing his head. Yeah. <laughs> that is, I think, the, the Han and Chewie dynamic, I think, does hit emotional complexity for me like or rather i think it is the most emotionally complex relationship in the entire franchise Mm -hmm. i actually think c-3po and r2d2 have a pretty complex yeah yeah, what did we say we said chewy is goose your dog who did we say was thompson the little rat no 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 the little rat (laughs) is my parents dog he's chester i think r2d2 is thompson or like he's there for you, and he, but he, he mm-hmm. will just like and he feel a little he shit. And I leave. feel like though, like C three PO kind of like ditched R two D two a few times. It didn't seem bothered about it. But R two D two does the same thing where he, where C three PO is just like you're leaving. Where are you going? And yeah, he's just like, the mission. No, I, I'm not saying that I don't love them. I do love them, but like tread carefully. I really do feel like I'm C three PO. The depth of love between Chewie and Han. Well, there's something. It's a different like, kind of love. Yeah. Well, I mean, we look at this, but like the moment in Force Awakens where we first see Han Solo and Chewie get back onto the Millennium Falcon, especially that it hit for me different at the end of or at the beginning of Return of the Jedi when he hands Lando the mm-hmm. Millennium Falcon. He's like, this might be the last time yeah. that I see her yeah. talking about the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And they don't, in theory, see her again until Force Awakens. And then when they oh, when they walk onto the Millennium it. Falcon yeah. and it's Han and Chewie together and Han says, we're well, home. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So there is a lot in seven, eight, and nine that hits because of four, five, and six. And oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Even though, like, yeah. those movies as a whole aren't as great. And I know that people say that. Mm-hmm. There's just I, individual Force moments. Force Awakens that, is so good. I straight up loved all three of them. Like, every time I left the, the theater from all three of the, the sequel trilogy, I was like, that was freaking awesome. I've seen Force Awakens a lot because I taught it for a while. Oh, cool. But when we saw it the first time, I remember saying to you, Elliot, like, this was a Star Wars for me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, part oh, of that cool, was yeah. because I had never seen it as a kid. Yeah. And like when we watched them, it felt like I was watching them for you and my brother mm-hmm. so that I could appreciate something that you guys loved. Mm-hmm. But when I watched that, I felt like this can be mine. This won't be my sister's. It won't be my brother's. It won't be my partner's. It'll be mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of that was having I've always like even as a little, little kid. And and I see this with like our nibblings where like our, our nieces like things that have girls at the center of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when we showed our or when our youngest or our oldest um, niece, she's going to be 11 soon, was little and she watched Big Hero 6. Mm-hmm. And we asked her, who was your favorite? And she said, all of the girls. Yeah. And none of them are main players. No. Mm-hmm. And well, that's just a basic psychological thing that you you associate with and kind of like attach to whoever looks like you. But having Ray. Amazing. Like just so, so, so awesome. Yeah. 
And I remember just feeling those like thrills that so many people must get from like the OG Star Wars mm-hmm. when I saw Force Awakens and being like, I get it. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is, yeah. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And also there was an energy there because like this was the first Star Wars mm-hmm. in forever. And, and Force Awakens is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and people weren't like grouchy about the mm-hmm. new ones yet. So like there was an energy in the theater that was just so palpable. Mm-hmm. And it was also there last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or not last yesterday all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. really cool. Yeah. I had that experience seeing Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. With just, yeah, seeing like a, a woman at like the forefront of the franchise. So cool. So cool. It was it was great. And like I loved Adam Driver in it. I loved all, I loved the misdirection with Finn. Like all of the, all the stuff leading up to it was like Finn's going to wield the, the lightsaber and become mm-hmm. a Jedi, mm-hmm. but then like the flip to when that fucking lightsaber th- flew past Kylo Ren and mm-hmm. Finn Aaron er, and er, Ray caught it, mm-hmm. we all lost our minds mm-hmm. in the theater, and that was so special and yeah. so cool. Yeah, and I feel like yeah, it's it's because of the groundwork laid by four, five, six that we're able to those moments have become so much more punctuated within this universe because mm-hmm. we've kind of come to expect it, but mm-hmm. are still surprised by it. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Also, Kylo Ren is so hot. Yeah, that yeah, and Oscar yeah. Isaac. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Because I was saying after yesterday that something really sweet about four, five, six is the amount of like camaraderie and love and how much they hug each other. Yeah, it's really sweet. Like when they come back together again at Return of the Jedi, it's like we watch everybody hug and like with such zeal. Mm-hmm. And Poe Dameron brings that energy to the new movies yeah Mm -hmm. that like that sweet kind loving excited energy Mm -hmm. comes from him yeah yeah um i'm kind of jumping it i'm kind of jumping ahead but for the like what's stuck with you section like let's move there what's stuck with you um well i think it was han and luke's relationship um Mm. throughout the film and it's it's for moments like that where there's just like this camaraderie and this moment like they hug each other a lot when they're celebrating and whatnot but what kind of sealed the deal for me after watching all three was the moment at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back where Luke gets taken by the like cave monster and then is stuck out in just like the oh, frozen yeah. tundra. And then Han is just like, no, like my friend's out there. Mm-hmm. I'm going out there. Close the doors. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm leaving. And then he like searches, risks death to find Luke. And then as soon as he finds him, like he's, willing to do whatever he needs to do to help him survive recognizes him as his friend and like han had like a foot out the door like he was about to leave the planet completely and leave the mission completely mm-hmm. and he's just like no my friend's not back i need to go i need to go help him i feel like he it, it evolves from like seeing luke as a bit of a lesser than like just like some like piss boy kid into like this is my like this is my family like mm-hmm. this is this is my brother in all of this and when he calls him kid it becomes affectionate mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. opposed to speaking down to him yeah. yeah yeah no i and yeah that that really stuck with me coming out of this uh yeah and then like yeah i i, I agree like all of the celebration just in general of all of them like hugging and stuff it's just really nice also just like what a shyster yoda is i did not remember that for some reason and watching it i was like in disbelief i love it so much it's really funny he's like it's honestly he reminded me a lot of my grandpa jack who like (laughs) like ash i don't know if you know this but my grandpa like he's he's old he's 98 um a couple years ago he he fell and hit his head 
And in the hospital, he pretended not to know who my mom and my sister were. Just to play, yeah, <laughs> just, I you told me yeah. that. I'm like, what? Like, what a shyster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, now is not an appropriate time. Like, when Luke says, is Darth Vader my dad? And he's just like, I need to rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Now's yeah. not an appropriate time to do that, Yoda. Yeah. But, oh, you gotta love it. Yeah. The humor in these movies is so freaking good, too. It is like, really it is good. funny. Even with just, like, little visual gags, like that, that little yeah. guy who I like so much. Um, in the in Return of the Jedi, just a little like hey, hey, hey. the little rat yeah. guy. Oh, so good! <laughs> I love yeah. it so much. Yeah, I think we should sandwich um our what stuck with you since I'm the the lesser Star Wars person here. Um, so I'm gonna go in the middle. If mm-hmm. That's okay. Um, so we're all therapy people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something that really struck with me, stuck with me, struck with me, struck me. Oh God, sorry guys, <laughs> I'm having an issue. Something that really stuck with me was the time that Luke spends training with Yoda in Empire Strikes Back and how reminiscent of therapy it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is in an accessible way, in a way that maybe doesn't get into totally the Mm -hmm. complexity of it, but the conversations around, like, you need to have patience, Mm -hmm. you need to reflect, you need to be mindful, you need to be in the moment, and, like... You have to get really good at handstands. You have to get really, really good at handstands. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But even, like, I mean, that sounds silly, but, like, that moment when he's doing his little handstand... And then he like thinks of Luke and Han and everything falls Leia, down. Leia and Han? Yeah. Yeah. Of himself, should I say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of Leia and Han and everything falls down is like so. And Yoda has a line where he says something like, um, you're always looking to the past or running to the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As someone with a lot of anxiety, that's like really <laughs> relatable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, this idea right, of Yoda, like, <laughs> like Yoda's literally trying to make Luke be yeah. like practice mindfulness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's have like that's heavily what um or that's what the Jedi kind of concept is heavily based on is like Buddhism. And like this idea of the, the present after, moment, right? Yeah. yeah. And I I just but I actually think there's a lot like we were speaking of with Leia how for the 1970s what a badass, thoughtful, well-rounded. What a shame there isn't another female character to another woman to mm-hmm. be a part of that, mm-hmm. but like she is so great. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the the message in the Jedi is actually really like important. This mm-hmm. idea of being yeah. present, um, like not letting your hate and your anger consume you, and and like looking right. to the kindness, looking to the empathy, and even though you feel it, letting it go. Yeah, like it, it doesn't say you can't be angry, you can't mm-hmm. hate, but don't use that as your power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and. I think that's really interesting, like you need that whole sort of sequence to therapy because at the end of it, like Yoda doesn't want him to leave or like says he's not ready or mm-hmm. whatever in so many words. But Luke sets that boundary. He's like, no, like this is where I draw the line. I have to leave. I have mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. Even if it has all of these ramifications that Yoda is hinting at. Mm-hmm. He's just like, this is my destiny to go do this. This is what I feel is right for me. Mm-hmm. I got to do that. And that's kind of what I mean. I don't have a therapist that's like, no, don't go. (laughs) (laughs) But like you work through all of your things and you learn as much as you can. And then you apply that to how it works for you. I mean, it's not unlike the we're never done at the end of a 50 minute session. (laughs) Yeah. No. And life doesn't pause. It's not like you stop and you're like, I'm going to do therapy in the woods with Yoda for three months. Yeah. Yeah. And And then now I'm perfectly done and okay. No, you're constantly like learning those lessons and then taking them into the real world and then having to be like, oh, I'll do a little bit more Yeah, and doing steps back. And Mm -hmm. and we see that with Luke, right? Where he has to, even though, yes, it's a little bit cheesy, like the moments where he hears Yoda's voice or he hears 
Ben Kenobi's voice. It's like those therapy moments coming back to you when you're like, mm-hmm. in this moment, I'm letting the anger consume me and mm-hmm. I need to remind myself that I that's not what I'm to do. It's the mindful watching voice. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what we would call it in like meditation or mindfulness. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just thought that was really like actually a really important ethos for, you know, people to have taken away from these films, which I'm sure they did. Like there are people for whom like the force and like the idea of the force mm-hmm. is something that like they that guides their lives. Can I tell you a really funny story? Of course. So, um, <laughs> so my entire life, my my dad um, has a penchant for. He likes to mosey. He likes to wander. He likes to like smell the roses, you know. Mm-hmm. So often, growing up, um, who like if like say my sister was with my mom doing something, and I was with my dad, and we were somewhere like whether it was the mall or at Disney World or what. And you were with dad, chances are you would end up not where you were supposed to be <laughs> because of like, you know, just kind of like following, following the path and seeing what's over there. And then so often we get like separated, lost, whatever. And my dad's thing was, oh, I would be like, well, like now with cell phones, it would be like, oh, well, we should call them. And he, But even when I was a kid, like when we didn't have cell phones, he would always say like, well, no, I'll just use the force to find them. <laughs> like, and we would just kind of like continue meandering and mosey until we found them again. Um, and it was like a joke, but like kind of serious, but like mostly a joke. But now even like with cell phones, like this, this happened recently, I feel like, um, where I was somewhere with my family and we got separated. And then I said to my dad, like, oh, let's just call Eminem and see where they are. And my dad was like, well, no, let's try the force first. <laughs> and then <laughs> did it work? So, like, yeah. Like eventually you kind of stumble into people, but that's always <laughs> my dad's advice for when I'm lost. Cause I get lost a lot. Um, it's like, Oh, like try using the force. And like, it, it's a, it's a joke to be clear. It's a joke, but like, it's kind of maybe not a joke. <laughs> it's a great, it's very silly. It's, a great it's very silly. I love that. It's cute. It's I, really cute. Well, I think it's, I think it's great. I don't, I don't think like thinking about our dynamic, Kylie, I think that would work well for me. Who's somebody that could wander and take their time. getting oh, somewhere. Oh, you could. Mm-hmm. Like, not think about <laughs> i just have to to pause for a moment here we took a trip to toronto this yeah, summer yeah and we went to the royal ontario museum yeah and ash you could have spent all day in it yeah correct and elliot left to go meet up with a colleague and it was just me and you and uh-huh. we were i think in the like like the centuries across the world area like the furniture no room? it was like rome greek oh like Greece, the, the egypt that area and I was just like, I'm going to go over there and read a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many times during that, or even when we were at the art gallery, when we were down where all the like the spoons and the cups and the mm-hmm. stuff and all of the like religious stuff was. Mm-hmm. And I like you guys were wandering, doing your own thing. And then I just went out into the lobby and finished reading the book. <laughs> oh, I can wander and look at stuff. Just stuff. Oh, yeah. You Doesn't two could have just done it forever. forever. But and we... that's why I like this movie. There's so much stuff to look at. Mm-hmm. And I need I need to pause and like read a book. Look, right, right. <laughs> you need to get a, like a narrative going in your head. Get some like some yeah. story happening. I do. Yeah, but you you guys are wanderers. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to use the force to get back to us, uh, right. non wanderers. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ash, what stuck with you? <laughs> um. So let's see. I think. Um, the question that I kind of had in my head going into it was like interested at looking at why people like these movies so much. So kind of thinking about that a lot as I was watching them. So what stuck with me was some of the like conclusions, I guess I came to mm-hmm. about that question, like why people like them. And I think we've talked about that a lot um, 
in in a lot of ways already. Um, but I think it's yeah, kind of like I said at the beginning, kind of it's um, it's place as like a modern myth, very much and like and something that will be um, timeless, kind of like like Shakespeare, right? Like we can take those stories and like yes, it is the same story kind of over and over again. But what like the reason why it works is that it's it's universal and um, like those really core concepts of the movie is dealing with like it, it's just the triumph of good over evil and like love over hate and like friendship over like enemies like it, it's such a simplistic dichotomy mm-hmm. that they're playing with constantly across all of the films so i think that that's something yeah something that will stick to me is looking at that simplicity um while I am somebody who is more drawn to something that's a little bit more nuanced and has less of a clear like dichotomy, mm-hmm. um, like like that kind of good and bad, mm-hmm. like the the rad dad versus bad dad, like I like you guys talk about it a lot mm-hmm. that it's not that clear of a binary. Um, Catchy but it can title be a, though. Pardon? Catchy title though. And also, right, right, right. <laughs> also a really useful starting point. Right. It's hard to get into the nuance and the complexity if we haven't started somewhere more simple first. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much impossible. Exactly. And sometimes even if you are somebody who has waded into like that complexity and like getting comfortable with those gray areas, going back to the binary is like, oh, sometimes it can be as simple as this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just like choosing to love somebody over hate them mm-hmm. or choosing to like back the, like the side of good versus the side of evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. But now to, uh, to smash that binary apart which is the fun part of Daddy Deep Dive, is Mm -hmm. we don't talk about Bad Dad and Rad Dad. We talk about, like, what is... What does this film help us understand about dads? Mm -hmm. Can I start us? Mm -hmm. But before you do, I just want to... I just want (laughs) to... I can't start us. (laughs) I want to say, like, the one one more thing that'll stick with me just about our theater-going experience is that in Return of the Jedi, when the Empire showed up and is starting to just kind of chew the scenery with his stuff... You you nudged me and then gave him double middle fingers. <laughs> I saw the double middle fingers and I was like, "What is that about?" Just to the emperor. That's really funny. I freaking hate him. And then you're like, "I just want to flick him." Oh, I did say I want to flick him, and then yeah. I flicked the screen. Yeah. Sorry. One last thing. They are so good at casting people like across the entire franchise. Any of the like generals or anything like anybody who's like really high up um, in the like um, in like the imperial order. Their cheekbones are so evil. They're so sharp <laughs> and cut. And you can always see their their bottom teeth. Like they look, they're so scary. Also really impressive that everyone stuck with it for all of all of them. Yeah. Right? Oh, that yeah. like at no point yeah. was Harrison Ford like, I don't want to mm-hmm. do this anymore. But apparently, um, this is another thing really quick. Maybe we're maybe we're gonna stay in this section a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> Carrie Fisher. We're wondering. Okay, so I've talked already about how much I love Princess Leia. Um, I really love Carrie Fisher specifically. Mm-hmm. And I know that she's not somebody um, or that she's somebody who doesn't necessarily have like an unspotted past. Um, like she's been um, she was really open about her struggles with like um, with drug use and addiction. Um, and she has been she lived with a mental illness her entire life. Um, apparently in the second movie, there were times where her and Harrison Ford weren't talking mm-hmm. because he was so like disappointed in her oh. drug use. Yeah, which is very... As a harm reduction strategy, not great. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. There's also, this is kind of dark, but there are like screen grabs I've seen online where like if her hands are visible, you can see like her coke nail, like her, like how you have like one long fingernail. So that's kind of mm. sad. Um, but I think one kind of amazing thing that came from that is that Carrie Fisher, as the years went on, was somebody who was incredibly honest and vulnerable yeah. and vocal about having struggled with addiction, having struggled with um, mental illness her entire life. Um, she created a lot of art about it. Like she was, she was a writer. Um, she did like a one woman show about her, about her addictions. And there was a little thing that I read last night, kind of just in my like trawling the internet for, you know, different thoughts and things to talk about. Um, but her, I think it was one of her biographers said that her experience made her kinder and more empathetic and open to all sorts of different people like it connected her to the human experience more Mm. um which i just think is like a really amazing thing to have come out of like her experiences with because like she was born into show business as well Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. talk about being set up for just like a mess there's a question that gets asked on reddit a lot um in like the movie subreddits about like what's your worst experience at a fan expo and what's your best and consistently Carrie Fisher is best. Good, 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 good. Consistently, <laughs> like she good. would not care if she took 40 minutes with you and there was yeah. a lineup and she would speak to you human to human and she yeah. would remember you the next. I think there was one yeah. I read about like somebody wasn't feeling well and the next day she showed up with like Tylenol for them or something oh. like that um, or like sent them food to their yeah. hotel room. Or, yeah. I don't know. Like she yeah. was just, like you said, kinder, more empathetic yeah. and open to all sorts of and people. Funny. Mm. Holy yeah. crap. She's funny. She's hilarious. And yeah. I love that. I love that. I love like somebody taking their experiences and their trauma and turning it into a real snappy sense of dark humor. Mm-hmm. Um, I also mentioned yesterday that I saw I've been watching like 30 Rock and I think I'm in like season one or season two, but she was a guest on one of the episodes. She actually I don't know if she was she won or if she was nominated, but she was nominated for an Emmy for that episode. Was she great? She was oh hilarious. She was incredible. And it was so just like self-deprecating and like, it, oh, it was funny. It was real good. That's awesome. She's so good. I love her so much. I love that. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Okay, let's use the force to get to Kyle, find our way back. To find our way back to where Kylie is. <laughs> like I said, I, I you wandered. Guys, off. You guys were wandering. I was, I I was standing there waiting. That's okay. why you had that book out just now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do have one upstairs. I should have brought it down here with me. Uh, so let's smash the binary. It's not as easy as Jedi's and Sith's. It's not as easy as Good and Evil. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what these three films help us understand about Dad. So. One of the things that I was really taken with knowing we were going to talk about this and looking at it through that lens, I can't not watch a movie through this lens now, but is the idea of chosen family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. So yeah. by the time Luke finds out that Darth Vader is his dad, mm-hmm. and it's even more complex than that, right? Because Ben says to him, like, he did kill, like, Darth Vader did kill your dad. It's Anakin like a was a different person. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I love that Ben gives us a little like, yeah, it's true if you look at it from a certain perspective. Right, right, <laughs> which, right. Is, which is true. Like, there <laughs> yeah. is nothing... But subjective truth in my right. mind. Um, sorry to all the students who have had to listen to me talk about that on end when we study Life of Pi. <laughs> so particularly the the moment that really coalesced this, which I think is there throughout the whole film. And Elliot, you already spoke to it with like Han and Luke and like the idea of family with them is in Return of the Jedi when the Emperor keeps saying to Luke, your friends are failing or your friends have failed. Turn to the dark side. Your friends have failed. And he refuses to mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're not his friends. They're his family. Mm-hmm. Like 
he has made a new family with Yoda and with Ben and with Han and with Londo and with Chewie and with R2-D2 and mm-hmm. with C-3PO and with Leia. And even though he comes to find out that she is his sister, like they were family before that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, throughout these films, he's reckoning with like this man being his biological father, mm-hmm. right? Like, But in the end, he makes his choices about who his family is. And in so many ways, this feels, Elliot, like it could be a really relatable journey for you about like, it's okay to not choose your biological family as your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like th- these films seem to say that. And yet you can still, like here's where it does get complex. You can still hold empathy and honor and love parts of those people as you choose to not have them be immediately in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the whole final confrontation between Luke and Vader seems to be that seems to be him saying I don't care that you're mm-hmm. my dad and I do think there's good in you and I don't think you're all evil but this mm-hmm. is not the life I'm choosing just because you're my father mm-hmm. well, yeah like a, a big thing I mean a, a question we kind of talk about on our deep dives is like who is the dad character and I, I think that for me the dad character is Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker and yeah there's that very relatable thing of like he thinks that he can have and use influence over his son after being fucked off for all of Luke's life mm-hmm. and mm, just, just by saying merit that he is his father like even with that iconic line right mm-hmm. i am your father and once you hear that you will have to listen to me you will have to obey me you will have to follow in my footsteps yeah and and there is you know a degree to which that haunts him you know when he's on dagobah that, yeah that's mm-hmm. it and like sees that vision of himself in the vader mm-hmm. helmet mm-hmm. um and so like you know everybody keeps telling him like you have like the force is strong in your family and like mm-hmm. you could turn to be like your dad and there is so much of that that is true in real life in that like the things that socially have happened to us because of who our parents are that we're like totally fucked with because yeah. it's it's been in put on us from the time we were mm-hmm. children and also like the hereditary genetic stuff mm-hmm. that goes on with us. So there is some of that that's true. Like there's forces that are strong in our families mm-hmm. and whether we've talked to those people or they're in our lives now or not, it's a part of us, mm-hmm. but we still get to make choices about what we do with that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how we break that cycle or continue it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I actually thought that that was so powerful. I love that. Like that last scene hit me so much harder. Like I probably haven't watched like the full trilogy in maybe like four or five years. Um, And that last scene hit me so much harder Mm -hmm. than it has before. I think just from watch or from going to therapy. Totally. (laughs) Like it's actually a really hard thing that Luke does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like Vader is kind of like goading him and like also trying to manipulate him emotionally and like kind of mm-hmm. almost make him like feel mm-hmm. bad for thinking other otherwise to helping him and what and what Vader wants to do. And the thing that gets me too is like because of the force like the the um emperor and Vader can feel what Luke is feeling. Like they can sense his anger and like like there's no hiding that he has like that well that's that how emotion in him. Like that for me was the I don't like that. That for me was um, like the most interesting part, I guess, is, yeah, just like by by having use of the force, they, they actually like like Luke knows that he's angry. But then to have other people to be like, we see right through you. We know exactly how you're feeling like that is such a. I don't know if, it, if it's like um, like a, a tempting prospect or like that would just be like such a pull 
I guess. Well, yeah, and like you don't have control over this very personal thing, which is your emotions and your feelings and what you what your wants and needs are. Because yeah, like that whole sequence, like I said, like one of the things I was most looking forward to rewatching these was the end lightsaber duel between mm-hmm. Darth Vader and Luke. It's because that moment where Luke kind of disappears into the darkness and Darth Vader's just walking around searching for him. Mm-hmm. And then Luke's trying to bury the feelings he has for his friends or, as you've said, Kylie, his family. And then he's thinking about Leia. Mm-hmm. And because they can read his mind, that's how Darth Vader realizes yeah. that Leia is his sister. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And then leverages that against him. is like, well, if I can't yeah. turn you, I'm yeah. going to turn her. And then it, it forces, it, it just kind of mm-hmm. fills Luke with rage and he starts beating mm-hmm. the shit out of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. But like the thing is, I, I never got the impression that if, because the Emperor's like, if you strike me down, then like you're going to, then mm-hmm. you're a Sith and like what's done is done. Mm-hmm. I, never, I never got the impression that was the case. I think that he knows that the Emperor's a threat and he, st- he wouldn't kill his, I don't think he would still kill Darth Vader. Um, and I don't think Luke would just like blatantly turn to the dark side. Like I think there's nuances within the like Jedi force code mm-hmm. that it just doesn't like if he did that, he's now bad. No, I think that's more complex. Than that. My my theory on that is like when when the emperor does like fall and like die and there's that like release of energy mm-hmm. is like my thinking is that if like whoever directly killed him, like that energy would have directed into them. But it kind of turns into like a Harry Potter thing a little mm-hmm. bit where yeah. like some force of like like love or family or whatever is deflecting it oh. and then it causes like some kind of anomaly right. yeah, yeah, energy yeah, yeah. Transfer. like harry and his mom yeah that's yeah. that's my theory yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i even think like going back to ash what you were saying about um like that draw and that ability that the emperor mm-hmm. and invader have to like feel what he's feeling like how i mean at least for me like i've had moments with my parents where it feels like they are they know me so well and they've known me for so long and yet don't know me at all mm-hmm. where they can violate that or use against me like how they know me or what they know about me. The depth of how they know yeah, you. Yeah, in a way that feels like that moment of like I am accessing oh. your thoughts right now. It feels exposing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like and enraging, right, mm-hmm. at the same time. Well, this, well, in other moments, depending on how that's wielded, it can feel really comforting or it can feel really connecting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you see the complexity of that in that final battle with Vader and when he's with the rest of them, like with Leia, with Han, with all of those folks, they don't use it in that way. They don't wield that power they have to understand Luke and see him against him mm-hmm. the way that Vader and the Emperor do, where they're like, I see your anger. Right. Right. And they they wield it against him. Yeah. They mm-hmm. they kind of like rather than yeah, wielding it against him, they like use it to like like they see that like soft spot or that tender spot. And then they know that that's somewhere that like maybe he needs to be like held or supported. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and I find that like Luke is all about doing it his own way. I just noticed you're wearing Chewbacca socks. I love that. <laughs> I dress for the occasion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love that, you know, Yoda has a very hard and fast way and Obi-Wan even have a very hard and fast way of how a Jedi operates within the force and mm-hmm. what they have to do. And then so do Darth Vader and the Emperor. Yeah. And it leaves no nuance for Luke. Like you mm-hmm, have to mm-hmm. do this one thing and you can't break outside of that, but that's not who Luke is. He's like, a loose cannon. He doesn't play by the rules. Yeah. yeah. And it's just all about becoming his own person and taking, again, it's him leaving Dagobah in, in Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I, I love that so much that it's like, he refuses to just kind of fit into one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the core of this film though, 
which is, I think, pretty relatable to me and you, Elliot, is like, this is a person whose dad has let them down. <laughs> this is a yeah. person whose dad has harmed them even before they knew it, mm -hmm. who in the end finds family mm -hmm. elsewhere and finds a way to parent himself and be parented by others mm -hmm. that doesn't have to come from his biological father and still finds ways to honor his dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause like riffing off of that, like the thing that I kind of alluded to earlier um, that I, I kind of discovered as I was thinking about this and pondering the question of how is dad relevant to this film or to the series of films and just, I mean, I think that it's very famous for dealing with dad stuff with oh, the line, yeah. I'm yeah. your father. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even doesn't Darth Vader like loosely, like is, isn't is that like German for like dark father? Sounds true. I don't know. That's <laughs> I made it up. <laughs> but um, a few things I was thinking about was just like, how do you deal with believing your dad is one thing than finding out he is one of the worst enchiladas that is in the galaxy? <laughs> and like, that's, I mean, that's a relatable piece for me of like thinking your dad is one thing but he is com like completely not what you have in your mind. But something that really kind of rose to the surface and I was, when I was thinking about it was we witnessed the multiple stages of Luke's grief of not only discovering that Darth Vader is his father, but the fact that he is also losing three father figures and then his biological father. Like thinking about it, Luke has technically lost five dads. Ooh. He lost the dad that existed in Uncle Owen's lie. And mm. then he lost Uncle Owen, who raised him. And then he lost Ben, who was a father mm -hmm. figure. And then Yoda. And then ultimately Anakin. She's Louise. He's lost. So over the course of these three films, he's essentially lost five dads. So to what I was saying like earlier. the ultimate dead dad film. It is, truly. So like the fact, what I was speaking Suck to earlier. <laughs> <laughs> That he has to shoulder all of all of this grief on top of defending the galaxy and conquering evil and carrying on the Jedi legacy that exists. Mm -hmm. That was something I had never thought about before. The fact that he essentially lost five dads and having to deal with that on top of everything else. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you see that over the course of the films. Like you see the way Luke kind of deals with it. Like mm -hmm. he kind of, I feel like he very quickly dismisses and moves on from Uncle Owen's death. But then maybe too quick. That, I didn't <laughs> like that scene. That was weird. <laughs> but then, like, he's also you see him kind of sitting with it, and then like the denial that happens as soon as Darth Vader reveals he's his father, and then, and then yeah, just everything that happens up to Yoda's death, and just like the look on Luke's face, like it just portrays just like Jesus, I'm losing fucking everybody, and now there's a potential I'm going to lose my chosen family as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when like the look on his face when they're when he knows Darth Vader consents him and he's like, I've compromised the mission. Like yeah. I fucked us all mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by being here. I shouldn't yeah. have come. It has like a new, I think rewatching it with knowing all of that will have like a new kind of heaviness to it. When I, when I yeah. watch yeah. Luke. So much of the films seem like they're about him trying to reconcile the story of who his dad is with these new truths that he learns while still understanding that like it's, like, this is where the complexity of the film does come in. And it's so much tied to, like, Ben's statement of, like, it depends on what perspective you look mm -hmm. at it from, right? That, like, your dad is neither all good nor all bad. And Luke's journey to, like, reconciling who Vader is for him, who Anakin is for him, who the stories of his dad is for him with, like, his own feelings about it. And I feel like the end of the film honors that, both through, like, 
the funeral pier mm-hmm. and through whether you like it or not, the like Hayden Christensen <laughs> CGI yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of him there being like, you know, yeah. I can honor the good and bad parts of my dad all yeah. rolled into one and still discover my own family and and yeah. not have this be the thing that weighs me down. Because it seems yeah. like like that's why he's a little piss boy at the beginning is because he's like, who's my daddy? <laughs> and in the end, he learns like, yeah. these are the people I've chosen. And I can see throughout time since this film first came out in the 70s, how that could be a really appealing part of this journey or this journey, really appealing part of these films for people is the idea that you make your own family, mm-hmm. that you find mm-hmm. your own Hans and you find your own, your own ragtag group of humans and droids and your and chewies creatures. and your right. And they, and they can be so different and so strange and annoying, like C-3PO yeah. and yeah. stubborn like Han and you can all love each other anyway. Yeah. And it strikes me, I believe, but you guys know better than me. So correct me if I'm wrong. All of the films, or at least two of the films, end with, like, just looking out at, like, this group of people and, like, many times, like, someone is touching somebody else. I They've got, like, a hand on each other or, like... That seems right to me. Or, like, at least that's part of the final part mm-hmm. of the film is just, like... Is it Empire Strikes Back where, like, they're all looking out a window and, like, people have their arms around other people and then, like, C-3PO puts his hand on R2-D2? Mm-hmm. There's just these like these moments of connection with these people mm-hmm. who have found each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there is something really beautiful about that. And I could see how that could be like a light for, for folks. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like yeah. that even if your father is like Vader, <laughs> mm-hmm. you can find your own family later on. Completely. Yeah. 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 And you can like conquer those demons and that darkness that has come from the truth of who your biological family is or your like family that you grew up with it doesn't have to be about like biology and your genetics. family of origin mm-hmm. yeah that's pretty actually pretty profound and pretty special yeah it mm-hmm. is it's after sun for other people <laughs> yeah <laughs> for nerds <laughs> after sun for nerds after sun Hot for take. people who don't like to cry star wars <laughs> is just after sun for nerds yeah <laughs> yeah anybody have anything else to add about like how does how is dad relevant to this film uh i mean like when i was thinking of what they kind of helped me understand about the concept of quote-unquote dad it's just like i mean first of all the the fact that family is still complicated even in galaxies that are far far away (laughs) yeah Uh, dad is is a tough term everywhere yeah Mm -hmm. um and i haven't watched these uh, since all the stuff with my dad happened like since all of that stuff came to light. So like watching it through that lens, like, yeah, like you said, there's a relatability there that existed. And I, I think, I think I was also kind of watching it and realizing it as we were watching it through that lens. Um, and there's this, you know, this idea of respecting your child's wishes to not follow in your footsteps mm-hmm. um, or your idea of what is quote unquote, right. Mm-hmm. Um and also just, you know, there's a, it's important to reevaluate your actions or your values um, and that, and it's okay to do that and that you don't have to, if, if your mind changes or your situation changes, that it's cool to do that. And then like reflecting on who you are and the things you've done that have made you that way. Yeah. Just like a lot of like the importance of reflection and taking a step back and giving yourself permission to change or to talk with other people oh, about change. Oh yeah. That's Yeah. I yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um that's I I think what I was trying to kind of put into words earlier about like the anger thing, it's um it's related to that 
Um, and I, th- I think why it specifically hit me with um, the scene with the Emperor and Darth Vader and Luke when they are like feeling his anger and encouraging him to give in to it is because anger is such a tricky emotion. And like for, for me personally, like that's something that um, has taken so much work over like the last like probably 10 years or so um, is like seeing my anger and feeling it mm-hmm. and trying to let go of it and it is mm-hmm. the hardest freaking thing mm-hmm. and like you regress a lot and it's it's so easy to kind of like slither into especially if somebody gives you mm. an invitation to it's a good way to put that mm-hmm. yeah so i think that's why it struck me is because i really related to um luke's like journey and his battle to feel his anger and face his anger but not let it like swallow him. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like imagining like being put in that position, um, just like how much of a like a test of your like awareness and um, your ability that would be. I think that is also related to like why the death scene with Vader hits me so hard is because that is when we actually see like when he takes the helmet off, you actually see on his face him letting go of that anger and that mm. hatred mm. and knowing how hard of a thing that is and how tightly he held onto it and how, how, how much was like wrapped up um, like, like his entire identity and position and everything was wrapped up in him holding on to that hate. So watching um, kind of like the, the child become the parent in that situation and hold somebody in a way that they could let go of their anger even if it wasn't until their final moments, like watching um, Luke give that to Vader in his final mm. moments was just like so moving to me because mm-hmm. I think learning how to face your anger and let it go and not let you swallow it or not let it swallow you. Um, it's like just such a life altering thing mm-hmm. to kind of like be engaged with. Um, so for him to be like, Hey, I learned this cool thing. Like, Maybe you should give it a try. Um, yeah. yeah, and to like watch that process happen as Vader dies. Was and I like beautiful. that. I like that metaphor of his mask or his like suit being his suit being the metaphor for that anger because he said like, oh, it is. He just says like, in there so tightly. Well, and he's just like, take off my yeah. mask. Like, I want to look uh, on you with my own eyes. And he needs yeah. his help. He says like, like, I need your help to take off my mask. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, he can't do it on his yeah. own. I think there's something also. The more we talk about this, the more I think like the through line with Vader and Luke is the emotional complexity mm-hmm. that I am drawn to in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about that final moment where, you know, Luke talks to Vader and he takes mm-hmm. off his mask and he kind of becomes Anakin again. This seems to suggest it both is never too late mm-hmm. to take accountability, mm-hmm. but it also does not make everything okay. Yes. Yeah. And that is so oh, important. Right? There we go. This idea- There's the button. Thank you for bringing it back. <laughs> Yay. We did <laughs> Our it. Our wayfinder. <laughs> but it's, I think there actually is something so special about that. And a recent film we watched called The Whale, mm-hmm. I think, tries mm-hmm. to do that, but reductively. And interestingly enough, Star Wars doesn't do it reductively in the idea that, mm-hmm. you know, Vader in his final moments does recognize the goodness that existed in him and the harm mm-hmm. that he's caused and the love he has for the son that he abandoned or was taken from him, but he was okay with that or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And there's an important connection and acknowledgement between both Luke and Vader in that moment. And it will in no way fix what has happened. 
Mm-mm. It in no way changes the harm that has been caused both personally to Luke and to the entire galaxy. Mm-hmm. And yet it is still important and meaningful that he acknowledges and takes accountability in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a moment of healing that will continue to help heal certain things. Absolutely. And I think and I think happens. of the juxtaposition between the fireworks and the dancing of like the empire is gone to Ooh. the more solemn funeral pier mm-hmm. or even the more solemn moment of looking out on Anakin, Yoda and Ben's life forces. Mm-hmm. And how like there it's not as simple as celebration. It's bittersweet. Yeah. 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 And there's a, a constant reflection that will have to happen in both the hurt and the healing and Mm-hmm. Those will coexist in the light and the dark will coexist for always. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it isn't too late and it's never not meaningful to take accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think oh, that's so that, <laughs> like that, <laughs> An- that Anakin can become Vader, can become Anakin again. And yet he will always have been Vader, too. It doesn't it doesn't disappear that time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's actually really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. How did I become this like Star Wars person? <laughs> Nerd. Guess what happened? <laughs> it's so good, though. Cause, yeah, Are we going like, to cry? <laughs> Got the tissues. <laughs> if anybody was gonna cry at Star Wars, I think it'd be us. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, because yeah, like that that was I felt a lot of weight in in Anakin's death in when rewatching it this time. And there's just yeah, there's that there's everything you're talking about about him being a father, but just the weight of that his death has on the whole galaxy. Like mm-hmm. Darth Vader has been responsible for so many deaths mm-hmm. and so many people mm-hmm. being displaced or and so much fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like that's a that's a lot of heaviness that goes away with him. Mm-hmm. That for all intents and purposes, like there's a lot of pieces that need to be picked up, and we kind of see little bits of that in like the Mandalorian, where like there are places that have not recovered since the Empire right. went yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. seems like a celebration, but the truth is that like trauma and harm and oppression linger just forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like it it was. A war, a, a star war, mm-hmm. so, and that affects that took place across galaxies and mm-hmm. multiple planets, and yeah, like I, I think that there's there's a lot of like heft in that for me on top of Luke also losing his father in that moment and having mm-hmm. to cope with that. Yeah, it's fucking good movies, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you found some really great <laughs> yeah. depth in it, so yeah. they're even better yeah. now. I am an academic. (laughs) I am an academic. Um, Well, let's go to the final question then after that rousing round of daddy deep dive. What are you guys going to carry with you? This is lighter, but I think it was like seeing those three films um, when we did and the way that we saw them um, and just having not watched them all together in a long time. Um, it's given me this like renewed sense of like creativity mm-hmm. and like a love for like ingenuity. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's just kind of something I don't know, just like something fun that it like sparked in me, like seeing um the the set and the props in the world again. Um, and then the other thing that I'll carry with me is just yeah, some like the essential themes that we we talked about. Um, like the the triumph of good over evil, but then also that it isn't um, that simple, all that stuff that Kylie just said. Yeah. Real thank, good. <laughs> thank I you. I liked it. We should uh, sandwich the Star Wars noob in the middle again. So okay. um, there's a lot I'm going to carry with me from like the conversation we just had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, like yeah. helped me yeah. 
go deeper than even I initially had. That helped you daddy deep dive? It, that helped me daddy deep dive. That's mm-hmm. why we do it together, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I... And also because Elliot can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I swim. <laughs> We're on either side of him like water wings. <laughs> <laughs> we are the... Wa- Sometimes you just need some water wings, you Sometimes know? Sometimes you do, yep. Um, but what I initially felt I would carry with me, and I and I will, is how meaningful it can be and how special it can be to share something that means something to somebody else. Mm. So Star Wars won't ever mean to me what it means to you guys. It just won't. Mm-hmm. But it can be, rather than being a grumpus about it, yeah. <laughs> which I have been, yeah. how much of a loving gesture I think it is to share that joy with somebody else yeah. for them and to allow their joy to like spark in you, even if only temporarily. Mm-hmm. So yeah. both, like when we went and saw Force Awakens and I saw how excited you were mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this means so much to him. Yeah. And then even last night, just like seeing all of these adults who so clearly love the, yeah. these movies so much, but also like how many parents were with their little, the little, little kids. kiddos. And like there was, I don't think anyone who knows this little boy is going to be listening, but if you are, there's a little boy who dressed up as Boba Fett and they did a costume contest before every film. And like the way that everybody rallied to cheer so hard for the kid who was dressed as Boba Fett. And not even just for the kid who was dressed as Boba Fett, but he wasn't a kid who like put on a cool leather jacket and like a leg holster was like, um, and solo. Like if you looked at his costume closely, it was crafted out of oh, like yeah. stuff from the recycle bin mm-hmm. that he had then like lovingly like taped together and yeah. sculpted and molded and painted. And it's the creativity and yeah. the ingenuity. And then, yeah, everybody, it was just like unspoken within a split second. Everybody was like, we're all making sure that kid wins. Okay, cool. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think that kid will ever forget that. Like it was, oh, that was raucous awesome. cheering. It was right? raucous. Yeah. yeah. So and good. so like seeing kids and adults and people who clearly love these movies so much and hearing the cheers when like mm-hmm. the music started and it went up, like how can you not marvel at that and enjoy that and love that mm-hmm. so like that's the thing i'm gonna carry with me and i think elliot me and you starting mystery movie picks as a way to watch movies and and doing this show i think has taught me the value of just trying to see what somebody loves in something even if it's not your thing mm-hmm. trying to Out look of, at it from a certain perspective yeah like mm-hmm. ben kenobi yeah. just to to show your love for somebody it's a way i think to express your oh, love for another person. That's lovely. To yeah. share in the thing that they love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm going to carry with me. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's something that we should all endeavor to do in <laughs> some way. I love that. And yeah, like I, I love this conversation. I was saying to Kylie before um, we recorded this, like I feel like there are, there's so much trivia out there about Star Wars and so much yes. just facts and stuff mm-hmm. that you can... Mm-hmm. That you can learn about it. And but- I'm sure it's been analyzed for like its technical prowess and storylines and archetypes to death. Yeah. They, this, the crew who filmed like the original like crew on Star Wars, they literally invented a bunch of new types of cameras and technology that allowed them to film this movie. Like they changed the entire so landscape cool. of what like that technology looked like for making films. It's Amazing. Anyways, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. Um, this is why I'm glad we're doing this because I feel like we're adding us to the conversation in a in a different uh-huh, way. Like uh-huh. we're not just focused on trivia or anything like that. Like uh, that's why I like being so feelings focused, right? Right. And, and deep diving in that way. Uh, I'm I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. Um, what I'll carry with me is the beauty of Han and Luke's relationship, mm-hmm. and then that idea of chosen family, 
um, the Babely badassery of Leia throughout <laughs> mm-hmm. all three of these films, and then even in the sequel tr- uh, tr- trilogy. And then also just like that discovery of the complex grief that Luke must have around discovering his father and then having having and losing multiple father figures. Mm-hmm. And then re- kind of like redefining where like where do I go from here and what is a, what is family and what is a father to me now? Um, and that, yeah, like I, I really, and, and then finally like the piece that you said, Kylie of like, just because you, you, you die or like you realize that you're not this thing, like that doesn't mean you're forgiven mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you have to, like there are, st- there are steps to that and you have to allow yourself the time to, to cope with that and understand that. And you have to, if you're the person that's decided to make that change, you have to be patient mm-hmm. and kind with with others if you're giving them something new to to think about or a new perspective on yourself or your ideals or whatever it is. I think it's super important. But yeah, didn't think that would feel this deeply about some silly Star Wars movies, but mm-hmm. there you go. Leave it to us to talk about feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The favorite. Yeah. It's a favorite. Well, Ashley, thank you for coming and talking about feelings again with us. Always. I'm glad yeah. we started 2023 with you. You're a favorite hey, movie we watching did. buddy. Yeah. We did. We did. I'm Three glad we did too. Movies. Three movies. In, in the theater. Day. One day. Theater. Yeah. And now yeah. we're talking it's about it. January 2nd and I've already watched three movies. Yeah. yeah. We're turning you this into year. us. Sorry, I've already watched three movies this year. Yeah. <laughs> three movies in your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's a good start though. We're going for 365 this year. And we didn't get anywhere near that last year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think you're going to do it. I think we can. You're off to a good start. You packed three into one day. My students ask me how I get their marking done. And I'm like, how many hours do you spend on your phone? Watching one movie is not that much. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) completely. Completely. Yeah. But yeah. Thanks, buddies. Thanks, Thanks, buddies. It was really fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We drop our regular episodes every Thursday. And until then, we encourage you to follow us and slide into our DMs on Instagram at baddad.raddad. Tell us about your relationship with Star Wars. When did you first see it? What does it make you think and feel? We'd love to hear from you. You can also get a sneak peek at what we've been watching on our individual Letterboxd accounts. We'll have those usernames in the show notes. And we'd absolutely love you forever. If you could drop us a rating, review, or follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. And please, again, we encourage you, share us out. We're just a couple little guys. Share us with other little guys in your life. Just so many little guys. Yeah. Well, that is going to do it for these Bantha Poodoos this week. So until next time. I'm Kylie and my dad's dead. I'm Elliot and my dad's a deadbeat. But remember. Not all dads have to be bad. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.